believe you're the savior of our soul. We believe you are God and in control. Welcome to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Bram, a ministry of Worship Generation Church located in Fountain Valley, California. For more information, please visit us at www.worshipgeneration.com. We believe in the power of the gospel. We believe you can transform every soul. We believe you're the Savior. Now let's join Pastor Joey as we study through the Bible. Let the nations be glad, all his saints rejoice. So as we come to chapter 16, we're really on Samson part two. We had Samson part one two weeks ago before I went to Florida last week. And we have Samson part two tonight. And now we have really the final chapter story of the end of his life and how he ended. So a reminder, Samson, we had a whole chapter dedicated to his parents when the angel of the Lord announced to them that he would be set apart from the womb as a Nazarene, as a Nazarite. So the Nazarene... Back we saw in the law of God previously in, in Exodus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, it was a particular vow that we would make, a male, it would seem to consecrate themselves to the Lord. There'd be no alcohol or even grape juice. And then you wouldn't touch anything that's defiling like a dead body. And you wouldn't cut your hair. And then you'd complete your vow, you'd get the hair cut, and you'd make it an offering. So it was just a way of consecration in a special way to the Lord, much like fasting, but kind of different. You know, like fasting, obviously there's different types of fast, but you would be somewhat limited, but you could take the Nazarite vow for quite some time. And as we come to Samson, we remember that he was a Nazarite. So the Lord pronounced that over his life before he's even born. And so special was his consecration that the angel came and announced his birth to the parents and confirmed it to the father. Much like the virgin birth of Jesus was announced to Mary and confirmed to Joseph in a dream. And also, there are only two Nazarenes in the entire Bible. Samson, foreordained before he's even born to be a Nazarene, and Jesus. Because it says in the Gospel of Matthew, fulfilling scripture, that he came out of Nazareth, thus he was called a Nazarene. So interestingly enough, Samson and Jesus are yoked together with the Nazarite identity, much like Barabbas and Jesus are yoked together on one being released and one going to the cross in his place. Very interesting. Jesus was the perfect Nazarene. He fulfilled the Nazarite vow perfectly for God made him who knew no sin to become sin for us. So from Jesus, from the time of the Immaculate Conception to his virgin birth and his entire lifetime, never sinned. Never sinned. He was sinless. For with the shedding of blood for bulls and goats, there can be no remission of sins. But Christ died once for all for our sins. And the blood of God can take away the consequence of sin for the blood of humanity. Jesus perfectly fulfills the Nazarite vow. Samson failed miserably from start to finish. And we're going to see that contrast tonight. And I must say, I'm very relieved that I don't have to get up here and talk about Samson for 35 minutes, but I get to talk about Jesus 
in contrast to Samson for 35 minutes. Just like you don't have to look in the mirror and see yourself or your righteousness on the day of the Lord, but you can look up and see Jesus and his righteousness for the day of the Lord. So as we look at Samson and his final chapter of his life, we're going to contrast him as a failed Nazarene in his final chapter to the perfect Nazarene in his final chapter in his life as a whole and what he did for us. And we're just going to praise the Lord when we leave this place tonight that our identity doesn't have to be Samson. We already are Samson. We're Samson. We are Samson, just like we're Barabbas. Our identity is meant to be in Christ. And that's what we want to see tonight, our identity in Christ. So chapter 16, verse 1 says this. Now Samson went to Gaza and saw a harlot, a prostitute there. And he went into her. He had sexual relationship with her. Where the Gazites were told, when the Gazites were told, Samson has come here, they surrounded the place and lay in wait for him all night at the gate of the city. They were quiet all night saying, in the morning when it's daylight, we will kill him. And Samson lay low till midnight. Then he arose at midnight, took hold of the doors of the gate of the city and the two gateposts, pulled them apart, bar and all, put them on his shoulders and carried them to the top of the hill that faces Hebron. And afterward it happened that he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Entice him and find out where his great strength lies, by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to afflict him, and every one of us will give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, Please tell me where your great strength lies, and with what you may be bound to afflict you. This is the main part of our text tonight. And again, another contrast with Jesus Samson would be betrayed for 1,100 pieces of silver, and Jesus was betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. So again, they're yoked with unique actions that are very unique in the Bible to their persons. And we must note that as we think about Jesus during this Christmas season. Now, Samson, he had that consecration. He was called to deliver Israel. He was a warrior. He was a warrior. And whereas other judges led people in victory, he himself was a one-man wrecking crew. We've seen that with him. And we saw that when he had great success in combat, hand-to-hand combat, that the Spirit of the Lord came upon him when he defeated the lion. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him when he defeated the 30 Philistines and killed them. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him when he defeated the 1,000 Philistines. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, came upon him, came upon him for combat and military physical deliverance. But again, a contrast with Jesus, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus at the baptism. And after he came upon him, then he performed his miracles. Now we see other judges where the Spirit came upon them as, a, as delivers. But it doesn't say that for all of them. But here for Samson, we're told multiple times the Spirit of the Lord came upon him to deliver, but to deliver from military oppression. And when Jesus was told to deliver from military oppression, he said, I didn't come for this end. Uh, the, the lords of the world, they lord over one another. But the Son of Man came to serve and gives a life a ransom for many. And he came to deliver us not from military oppression, but the oppression of the devil, the fear of the grave, and the grip of sin. So the Spirit of the Lord came upon both of them, and we're told that. Again, contrasting. Both for deliverance. Both of them. 
Now, Samson had measures of success in his calling. He really does. And, you know, we're going to see his end and how he died and his death. He, you know, he died with the Philistines and bringing down the temple of Dagon, the fish god, and killed more in his final moment than all that he ever did in his life. We'll see that before we're done tonight. But as a young man, he was raised to do the right thing, but he chose not to do the right thing. And his problems really began with the lust of his eyes. Now, we're told in the Bible that we have a disposition towards sin. So if we're not seeking the Lord, we're just going to walk in the flesh. And we're going to walk after the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. That's why it's so important to keep your heart with all diligence to seek the things of the Spirit. If we're seeking Jesus, we're going to think of others and be prone to put others first. But if we're just living for our flesh, it's all about us. We're going to be takers, not givers. Samson was a taker. Christ was a giver. And so Samson, he went to the Gentiles to take from them, and Jesus came to the Gentiles to give to us. Again, another contrast. Samson looked upon a harlot, lusted for her, and slept with her. Jesus looked upon harlots and forgave them and healed them and delivered them. What a contrast. The failed Nazarene, the perfect Nazarene. This one might help us politically. This one helps us eternally and spiritually. Never expect a politician to be more than a Samson. But you can always expect Jesus to be the Savior of the world. For his name means Savior. He's the Savior of the world. Samson looked upon women like most men do and lusted for women. And not only did he lust for women, he lusted for the forbidden women. He lusted for naughty women. Like you think like God had a, God had a plan for him for a good wife, a godly wife. A wife he could have had incredible sexual intimacy with. They enjoyed the journey with. The laughter, the heartache, the sorrows, all the journey gives. But he just, he went for forbidden fruit. See, the whole story of Samson is choosing from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life. The Nazarite vow had him consecrated for the tree of life. To obey God and do all the right things. But as he had all that super strength and power, he was much like a carnal Christian, like a Corinthian. He just, he had the blessing and the power, but he went after, Samson knew good and evil. It all began when he was in his early 20s, and he said to his parents when he saw the woman that we, was obviously, I would think, very attractive, the Philistine woman. She's the naughty girl. And she said, he came back to his parents and said, get me that woman for my wife. And they're like, are there not beautiful women in Israel? Like, why are you going to be unequally yoked? Why are you going to do this? Why can't you just marry someone that you went to school with at Calvary? Why you got to marry someone from... Cal Berkeley, whatever, you know, like, why? Like, you love the Lord, you're raised this way, and they, we laugh, but I, I can think of a famous Hollywood star that I know. He was raised Christian, homeschooled, all these beautiful things, became a very famous actor, and he ended up dating the woman that was a star, and his family's biblical worldview, Christ is king and all this, her family's pantheistic, all, all this stuff is completely opposite. And so they try to get together, like this, this couple's going to work together, live together. This is never going to work. And it never did work. And it was four years of an arduous, difficult relationship that crashed and burned, and he, the actor, still hasn't recovered from it. 
Samson went after forbidden fruit. And it began with, Mom and Dad, get me that woman. That's who I want to sleep with at night. Just because I want to. And I have all this power. And I can. And we saw the disaster that was two weeks ago. So now what do we get 20 years later in his life? He doesn't ask Mom and Dad about who to get the woman. He just... He just does what he wants to do. He crosses the border. I mentioned this Tuesday night. It'd be like if you live in El Paso and you're a gangbanger and all those uh, Ciudad Juarez, all the gangs on the other side, one of the most violent cities in the world. He just cross over like, I'm going to sleep with this prostitute. He just cross right over the Rio Grande. He's like, what? I do what I want. And all the gangbangers are waiting to get you when you're going to cross back over the United States at the border. He just cross over. He's like, what? You carry, the, you carry the gates of the border with you when you cross over. He's a very bad dude, and he can do what he wants. So if he wants to go sleep with a prostitute in a forbidden city, that's what he does. And no one's going to stop him, except his own passions will stop him. Because this story really isn't about Samson and Delilah. It's about Samson. Delilah is just the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, just like the harlot, just like the Philistine woman. With adult children, I never blame anyone other than my own children. I hold them accountable for their decisions, as you older parents would understand. I've never made about who they're hanging out with. I made about who they are, how they're raised, and decisions they make when they self-determine their life in the secret and the quiet place. Because we all know it's our personal choices. So Samson looked and lusted, and since it wasn't curbed, when he crossed that line to get the Philistine wife, he set a pattern for his life to keep crossing the line, keep crossing the line, keep crossing the line. So what happens 20 years later in his 40s, he's like, I'm just going to cross the line. I'm going to cross the border. I'm going to go get this woman. I'm going to do what I want to do because no one tells Samson what he can't do. And when you think you're going to wait and lay for my life, I'm going to rip the city gates right off. I'm carrying on my shoulders, and I'm going to taunt you. I'm going to taunt you, and there's nothing you can do about it. That's exactly what he did. He, he, was, he was supernaturally empowered to be a military hand-to-hand combat deliverer. So the, the gift and calling in the Holy Spirit, it's all muddled in this crazy mess of who he was. But Jesus, when he crossed over to the Gentiles through his church, he sent us out the Great Commission is to give life. That's who the church is. We're the extension of the other Nazarene, Jesus, and we're reaching the ends of the earth. We're reaching the Gentiles not to take from them like Samson in the Philistine camp in Gaza, but to give to them the good news of Jesus Christ. That's the contrast of who the church is compared to the world and really politics, human government, because ours is a greater government. So... Where Samson failed with his eyes his entire lifetime and crossed the lines, crossed the lines, Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, and he was tempted with the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life, and he was victorious where Samson failed. And his victory is our victory. That's really good news. Because you and I know our failures. But Jesus wants to teach us his victory. And we get to live this life of faith in him that we can know more of his victory against Satan in the wilderness than our failures of disobedience in the wilderness. The eyes, the first look's unavoidable. The second look is where it all goes wrong. We have to discipline ourselves to take every thought captive and obedient to Christ 
We have to learn from our failures and go forward. But ultimately, aren't you glad that the hope of our salvation is not on our ability to control our eyes and what we look after and what we lust after, but it's based upon Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did with his eyes? Aren't you glad that when the Father sees us in our positional righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ, he sees us like Jesus looking upon the heart with mercy and compassion as opposed to lusting after her? I am. And the application for the women, you know whatever it is for you. And however it is for men, however it works, it is. We're singing these beautiful songs about Christmas because Jesus is the Savior, not you, not me. It's not an excuse for licentiousness or sin, but it's a source of great comfort for the human experience at 20, 40, 60, and 80, and even 100. We're saved by grace. And if we ever even thought for a moment we could save ourselves, (laughs) we just become like Samson in some form or another. But if our hope is in Christ, therein is our righteousness through faith and the positional righteousness through faith, and the practical is getting better. And when I step into eternity and you step into eternity, we want to be much more identified with our whole life on the replay button with the life of Jesus the Nazarene as opposed to Samson the Nazarene. Just have to discipline ourselves and keep our eyes on Jesus. Samson, that was verse 1, he saw the harlot and he just did what he did. Now, in verse 6 it says, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. So here's where it got really tricky for Samson. He gave away his heart to the wrong person. You can't serve two masters, and he's supposed to love the Lord as a Nazarite. Above all other things, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You'll have no gods before me. And his heart was to belong to the Lord. But he gave his heart to, yet again, probably a very attractive, another evil woman. And, you know, love hurts. You younger people that don't know love yet, it, 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 can, it can hurt. I mean... It's, it can be very painful if you love the wrong person. And it can, it's painful when you love the right person because there's a growing process of less of you and more of Jesus for both of you in a marriage. That's the best case scenario. The worst case scenario is much, well, it's not good. Samson loved the wrong thing. And he gave his heart to the wrong person. Not the one who would bless him, protect him, provide for him, and take care, care of him, Yahweh, but he gave his heart to Delilah, the one who could sexually please him, entice him, and betray him. He didn't guard his heart. We're told to keep the matters of the heart guarded. He did not guard his heart. And because he freely gave away his heart to various women at various times he shouldn't have, it was just another thing to give his heart to Delilah and where he could just get away. He's a slippery fish that always gets away. He did not get away from Delilah, Delilah, who serves the fish god Dagon. The irony of it, the slippery fish was ensnared by the fish god Dagon and mocked and humiliated in the temple of Dagon. Because all women know and all girls know in high school there's a slippery fish. That guy. He's the heartbreaker. There's songs that tell you to stay away from him and your parents tell you to stay away from him. He's a slippery fish. Of of love movies in every culture, there's no shortage of them. Indie films, K-dramas, Russian movies. There's that guy that breaks every girl's heart and there's that girl that burns every guy. 
And he's the guy that broke every heart, but he ran into the girl that was going to betray his. Aren't you glad Jesus doesn't betray our trust? We're told to trust him with all of our heart, cast all of our cares upon him. He's our great high priest that ever intercedes for us. And in any time of struggle and heartache in the human experience, we can come boldly to the throne of grace and find comfort and peace and all those things. All those things that a human being, the best human being might give you for in certain capacities, but will ultimately come short. Because we have a soul, and only Christ, through the Holy Spirit, can comfort our soul and carry our soul in the, the deepest valleys of the human emotion, in the very bowels of our being. And that's how it's described in the Old Testament, who Jesus is and what he would do for us. As much as we could search ourselves, the Lord really knows us better than we know ourselves, obviously. That's what David had in mind in Psalm 139. And so our heart, we're told to guard it. And Samson gave his away. We have to be careful what we do with our heart and where we let it go. Because you see, you're tempted in your mind, but once your heart embraces it and you begin to take affection and love for the wrong things. The Bible talks about the the passing pleasure of sin for a season. And sin wouldn't be tempting if it wasn't tempting, but it is tempting. And alas, there's a way that seems right to a woman. There's a way that seems right to a man, but then thereby is death. And sin is conceived, and it's birth, and it brings forth death. James chapter 1. We have to be careful. We need to guard our hearts as we're looking toward a new year. We have to be careful what we love and what we give our affections to. We need to be very careful. But again, in contrasting, Samson, who gave away his heart freely and easily so often from harlots to... uh, Philistine women, and now to Delilah, another Philistine woman. He missed out all the good blessings that God had for him. He missed the wife God had for him. He missed the beauty of marriage God had for him. And this is what he gets. And he gives his heart to the wrong woman. And that's what we'll get to if we freely give our heart away to the things that are contrary to the Lord and contrary to his call in our life. But again comes Jesus in the gospel of grace. Because God gave his heart to us. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. God has this incredible love for us. It's going to take all eternity in another dimension for us to even begin to wrap our cognitive capacities around it for all eternity. It can't even be revealed to us how glorious it is. Eyes not seen nor ear heard those great things that God has for us. So for all the love that we can know that God has for us and all the grace and mercy he shows us and that we would experience in our life, forgiveness and all these things... We're not even scratching the surface of how great is his love. Because the very word for love for God is agape, and it's a classic Greek word that was archaic. Like in English, we don't say thee or thou. Those are archaic words like thou art my wife. You know, like we don't talk like that. That's Shakespearean. That's an archaic word. The Holy Spirit took an archaic word for its time and put it on Jesus on the cross, and that becomes the standard of love for the entire human experience from here to eternity. So it's not the phileo love of friendship, it's, it, or the, um, yeah, the phileo love of friendship or the eros love of sexual intimacy. It's a higher love. It's a higher love. And it's the love that God's given to us. God has truly given his heart to us. And even when he would threaten destruction and wrath on certain people at certain times, it would grieve him so much because he even said to Ezekiel, my heart takes no pleasure in the death of the wicked. But his heart is to 
to, recon, to reconcile us to himself. Even when Cain killed a- was before he killed Abel, God said, sin is at the door, but if you do what's right, we'll not be good with you. Like God loves humanity. You made the world and saw that it was good. And like when he made this universe, he made humanity the crown jewel in his image, in his glory. All the beauty of nature, and I love nature, none of the animal kingdom has a cognitive capacity to know God like we do. They just do what they do. But we are created in his image, and we have the capacity to be like little gods and do all these things that God equipped us to do, but to reciprocate or return affection and faith and devotion to him or to reject it, thus self-determination. And the tree of life, to obey him, or the tree of knowledge of good and evil, to face the consequences of really knowing evil and what it means to not trust in the Lord. And to know the dark side, if you will. But God loves us. By this we know love that Christ died for us when we were yet sinners. Christ gave us his heart. Christ on the cross is the ultimate act and definition of love in our universe, which is the only universe there is. And he's the Lord of it. You've been listening to the Worship Generation Radio Ministry with Pastor Joey Brandt. If you would like more information about the ministry of Worship Generation, visit us online at www.worshipgeneration.com, where you can listen to the podcast of today's entire message. Worship Generation is located at 10350 Ellis Avenue in Fountain Valley, California. Our service times are Saturday evenings at 6 p.m. and Tuesdays at 7 p.m. And also follow Pastor Joey on Instagram under the tag name at Joey Brand. Thanks for listening and God bless. Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed, not ashamed of the one I love. Not ashamed, not ashamed.